Rolling now. So, Jonathan. Yes. What's your last name, dude? Getchman. Getchman? Yeah, I'll give you $100 if you can spell it first try without ever seeing it. Getchman. G. Uh, so, since you said it that way, I'm going to I'm gonna assume that it's difficult. So, I'll go with like G-H-E-T-C-H-M-A-N. No, 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 no $100. No $100. Yeah, it's G-E-T-Z-S-C-H-M-A-N. It's German Jew, which I didn't find out until recently, so now I can make lots of money and kill you. Well, I'm I'm really glad that you're here, considering you're you know German German Jewish descent. <laughs> the odds weren't with you. <laughs> See, I mean, uh, oh, wow. uh, yeah, shalom. <laughs> okay, so this is another installment of the visit. Um, Jonathan, this premise came out of the idea that back in the day, um, people just got together and they just hung out. Like when I was a kid, my mom and dad, on a Tuesday night, they may say, hey, get your stuff together. We're going to go. We'll go where? We're going to go to Aunt Edie and Uncle Ed's or we're going to go here. We're going to go there. And the kids would go play and the adults would hang out and they'd visit. Yeah. And and have a, a whole fucking pot of coffee or whatever and just sit there for a couple hours. I, I never did that with my kids. Like I, I didn't I didn't have those I just didn't wasn't part of my my zeitgeist, you know. Mm. We were we were on soccer fields all the time and all that sort of shit. I coached both my kids and so that's I guess we spent our time doing that. But like with social media, I don't think really good deep dive exchanges happen very often. They don't particularly for me. And so this is this is the visit. This is the hobby. When I was growing up in Omaha, Nebraska, in the late seventies to the eighties, our family routine was Sunday was for church at eleven to noon. Then was our family lunch, which sometimes would be family dinner, depending on what we've wanted to do that day. Then it was school all morning until afternoon parents would still be working their jobs dad was a roofer running his company mom was a real estate agent running her company we were given pretty much not a big deal the rest of the kids are all running around so we were raised that way where every day was we come home and eat dinner with mom and dad after we got to play run all our got all our energy out for hours and then dad would get home by six for dinner we might hang out but dad wasn't a big talker, so we really just would get in trouble and then once in a while get spanked, but that was very <laughs> rare. And compared to our kids, our kids' daily rigmarole has been wake up at noon when we're at work, play internet games and online porn <laughs> until 2 or 3 in the morning, and then go back to sleep. So it's a definite disconnect comparatively to our parents' generation. Yeah, quite a lot different. Mm. Yeah, and I'm I'm generalizing, but that's that's not much. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, my son's 18, and I don't think that that little list you just gave off is really terribly different from him for him either. They also don't go outside. We really have to ask them, can you please do something outside? And it's not that, of course, I'm, I'm also generalizing, but but it is awkward to be like, hey, how, when were you outside last? <laughs> and for one of our children in particular, it's uh, February. You know? Well, and COVID sort of fucked that up real bad. Like, 
both of my kids, we encourage them to play sports. You know, we're skaters, right? So sports it has a weird ranking in the skateboarding world. But for me, being in a small town raising kids, if your kids aren't doing something productive, they're going to be doing something that's not productive. And so we always sort of try to steer them towards sports. And they're both soccer kids. And so my kids, like, did you did you? We were talking earlier. You played a lot of soccer. Did you did you nudge your kids towards any of that? I've tried. I always haven't. I haven't also always been the best father. I'm pretty aloof. Yeah. I, I noticed early on, like playing with kids is a lot of work, <laughs> and it was cute at first. And I hate to say it, but I went through many years like I am in my office. Leave me the fuck alone. Yeah. I was selfish and cold, and I had to learn that that just doesn't make for a fun family. And your kids still love you, but they're always wondering why they don't. You don't want to be with them. Yeah. And that was awkward to have to figure out after a lot of years of just. I don't want to. I don't want to hang with kids. Yeah. <laughs> like like <laughs> I did when I was a kid. And what I noticed is the disconnect comes with parenting. The old parenting was you only get physical if you have to, if they were really out of line, and try to do it as little as possible. Mm-hmm. Well, I spanked my daughter twice and was like, this is not what I'm meant here to be doing. I should not be ever putting hands on my kids. So it took me a couple times to learn. I just make, I just feel like shit now. That, was, yeah. you know, that, that doesn't do anything for them or me. So we've had to roll through a new chapter of patience of just saying we trust you kids we'll figure it out we're here if you want us you want us to help but we're not just gonna give you money yeah unless you just talk to mom and then you can push her over but i'm not gonna i'm going to be the teach a man to fish feed him for the rest of his life kind of father yeah and they come around once in a while when they really need something i said i'll pay you if you want to work for it but i'm not just going to give you the money and then they either run to mom or they decide all right, fine. I'll see what this is about. My philosophy is super similar to that, in fact. Yeah. Um, I had that same epiphany moment when my daughter was nine. I remember it. And she used to really push our buttons. My my ex-wife and I, like, really push our buttons. And I remember one time I was I, I was giving her a whipping, but I had a, a moment where I said, shit, I'm whipping her because I'm pissed. Yeah. Not because I'm trying to teach her a lesson. And from there forward, I st- I didn't whip her. I, I I did not whip her one time after that. But I mean, she still pushed her fucking buttons. <laughs> I our kids learned instead of be aggressive about their rights or their desires, they can decide to say, "Oh, you're not going to let me do that? Then I guess I'm just going to hide in my room for a week, and you can't come in. Sorry, mom." <laughs> It's like emotional blackmail. Yeah. And then once they realize they can do that, oh, I, I just say, honey, please, please don't take it personal. They're going to try to get you. They're yeah. going to do it. They, they know. They know your number now. They're going to, mom's a horrible mom. Have you ever have you ever blocked their MAC address on the router? <laughs> See, dude, you're with the two great minds. I, yeah. I told her a couple times, just turn the I, internet off. I, I, they will figure out they need to do something else. I, I gave my son a grace period after he graduated from high school. Right. He, I, I didn't make him carry a job through high school at all. Um, they played sports. Both my kids, they played sports. They got good grades. That's all I asked. You know, just you do you, but do it in this way. The, I, so I gave him a grace period. He graduates from high school. Uh, I said, take two or three weeks. 
hang out with your girlfriend, hang out with your buddies, do what you want, and, and enjoy the first parts of your summer. But you need to get a part-time job. Jonathan, fucking four or five months later, this dude has still not gotten a job. Hadn't hardly really tried at all. And I kept wondering, I'm like, you know, you and I, we get along really well. At some point, there's going to become too much friction, and neither one of us is going to enjoy it. So you, you know you have to do this. So eventually, you know, I, I talked to him a few times. It was a very gentle conversation. Then finally, I, I just went in and I blocked the MAC address to <laughs> all of his devices. <laughs> Do you know what the Japanese call the generation born uh, post-90? Post-90, no. The strawberry children. Because okay. they bruise easily. Oh, yeah. So you have to be very careful. You know what's you. funny about blocking that MAC address? It took all of his gaming away. And that's how he hangs out with his friends. It's not in person. Like yeah. he's got a handful of friends that he hangs out with a lot, but it's in the gaming environment. And um, and so I basically grounded him. <laughs> I grounded so him. Isn't that you're grounding? You're grounded. Sorry. Yeah. Go outside. Yeah. <laughs> Go play you're, with someone. You're grounded. Go outside. That's right. <laughs> um, but um, I, he went out job hunting one day and had a job. So I, I'm marking that as a win in my column. Hey, man. So I I got really depressed in college around my sophomore year. Got terrible grades, the worst I'd ever gotten in my life. My parents said, "You're not. We're not going to let you keep going to college if you're just going to yeah fail." And it was not failing, but it was definitely C's for me as a no. You don't get C's, you know, as a Getchman. You get A's. Come on, yeah. buck up, be a man. Underachieving is not an option. Yeah. So I said, fine, I'll quit. I came out and they said, well, if you're staying at home now that you're a man, you need to get a job and pay some rent. And it was such a, hey, what? <laughs> what? Fine, I'll get in fine. I can do that. So at one point in 94, I was working for Blockbuster Music, the spinoff of the video, Yeah. at Olive and 270. Then down the road, I decided I could use some extra cash because 450 an hour part-time really doesn't do much of anything. I remember that. I got a job being a wedding DJ at Complete Music on Olive, right off Olive 270, where I got to learn how to speak like a real DJ. With and let DJ me tell voice. you, when you're at a wedding and it's time for the father-bride <laughs> dance, everybody welcome. You get this the worst just the worst cheese you assimilated so easily and you worry that it's like am i still that's how i talk now is that why i talk the way i talk because of that damn job (laughs) and then i also got a job for access courier during the same summer driving around packages so at one point a friend and i got caught skateboarding in clayton you know after dark and the cop tried to muscle us around we went to court and the judge's like what are you troublemakers doing and my friend that tells me yeah i got two jobs i'm going to college and i say yeah i got three jobs i'm going back to college after i finished and he's like what he just it was he had never heard of a skater that actually did anything other than cause trouble yeah so during that time for me to try to get my kids to experience something new just go try something Mm -hmm. is difficult and i because i remember for me it was like this sucks why would i ever do this job you know why would who would who would ever do this job and after a couple of jobs like that, I was a paper boy originally, I did roofing for a little bit for Frederick, computer programmer. And after a while, I kept asking my dad, how do I know what I'm supposed to be? And he said, well, what do you really want to be in your heart? And I said, I love to skateboard and I love to make music. And he said, 
then that's what you should do. And I said, but how do you just do it and not know if it's going to work or not? And he's like, you start as a paper boy. Why aren't you a paper boy anymore? Because like, that shit sucked. He's like, exactly. Mm-hmm. Where'd you become then? I became a roofer. And I'm like, it's like, you want to work for Frederick anymore? Like, no, that shit sucked. Wedding DJ? No, that just sucked. He's like, you're going to get to where you get to by shedding off the things that you were not. Yeah. Which was revelatory for me to be like, oh, dad's actually smart. I've been, I've been telling my son and both my kids actually for some time that you don't know what you want to do? Fine. That's okay. It, it, when you're young, how are you supposed to know? You know, you don't have enough experiences. And I've been telling them for some time, do anything it'll bring focus towards what you want to do because when you spend all day doing something that you don't want to do but you have to because you have to earn money you'll be thinking about that thing that you want to do yeah and it'll bring focus to um you know to what path you may want to decide on two of my favorite quotes are the greatest risk is not taking one yeah which basically lets you know it all you you gotta do something and it's mm-hmm. all the rest just try just keep trying throw shit at a wall see what sticks and my other favorite one is sometimes you must be who you are not to realize who you are and I remember my lowest moment was after having sex with a crackhead waking up the next morning going <laughs> I know I did not do that that was not me and I was depressed about it for years till one of my mentors told me dude no it's not you but you had to do it to realize, holy fuck, don't ever do that again. That's not me. <laughs> Everybody does it their own way, you know. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so I come to you through the skateboarding community. Again, um, it seems to be a, a recurring theme for me, which I'm super happy about. Um, how, how, how did this place come to be? The cooler, which actually you can see on that blueprint that I drew very childlike three years ago yeah that is what evolved into this so what i was raised with was as a a son of a entrepreneur and also our parents had us in operas musicals plays we did theater from 84 85 to about uh, 89 including touring up and down the east coast two years doing the christmas carol tour no kidding yeah scrooge and singing God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. That kind of thing. Oh, my God. Do you guys do the Fox? Yeah, we did those kind of those huge venues, bigger than the Fox. Like wow. Crazy. And a 12- and 13-year-old touring with a bunch of mostly theater folk, gay guys, and a bunch of random women, and my mom. Yeah. <laughs> After a couple years, like, I don't think this is my thing either. <laughs> it's just, if you don't know what you want, you're like... I know this is my thing. Yeah. So to this day, I don't really want to hear musicals ever again. I, I was on stage doing it for years, and Oliver, Sound of Music, a handful of other plays, Shakespeare stuff, operas, uh, uh, Tosca, Falstaff. The level of cheese surrounding that kind of art is so high. It's so thick, huh? The drama is so robust and fake at the same time. I just, it just. I don't, need, I don't need to hear Oliver ever again. I don't need to turn hear, off. Yeah. yeah. So, but what that led me to was rap. Once I finally realized, oh my God, this is amazing. This is what I want to fill my ears with all the time. My parents were quite chagrined because all they could hear was fuck, 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 shit, shit, shit. Yeah, sure. And to me, it was being able to take all the music forms that they showed me. Opera, classical, bluegrass, rock, soul, show tunes, 
and throw a beat to it. Take the best part. I mean, I sampled company uh, of musical my parents were in um, and a song where she's describing trying to get pregnant by a husband who has a low sperm count. And she's singing, tonight's the night. <laughs> so I put it, I had my DJ slow it down and scratch it in tonight's, tonight's the night. And, and it just made everything set off in a rap song. So I, I'd sample classic. I'd sample Ravel and uh, Bach and Beethoven, and, and, and but screw the sound a little so Top you couldn't quite tell. There, what it was. Yeah. So to me, that was mm, just magnificent to take some of the cheesier stuff I didn't really want to hear anymore in my ears. But if I took the one part I did like, and put it to drums, whole different ball game. Yeah. So that set off that skateboarding was also a game changer when I was twelve and eighty seven, and saw kids doing a sport that actually looked more fun than anything, mm-hmm. than just competing as a team, doing what your coach told you and your parents, and scoring a touchdown and dealing with male machismo and and testosterone versus skating was you're the coach, you're the player, and you're the referee. Yeah, the critic, all of it. Oh man, for OCD people. Mm, it's just the you don't <laughs> I don't want to oh report God. to a coach how many times did you did you walk off a spot just bleeding because you're struggling to get something I was definitely hell bent on a handful of tricks it took me nine months to get a kickflip and that's after bruised shins over and over at 14 years old from about summer of 88 until May 1st 89 when I landed my first kickflip and that was glorious and then another week of landing once in a while, and then finally getting it. That that wasn't as dangerous as handrails when I started cavemanning handrails and then learning how to ollie. Ugh, scary. I mean, I would love to try one now at 46, but I don't think I really... Not going to do it? I don't think I do it anymore. Uh, the, probably the hardest... The hardest, the hardest ones were I used to like gaps, so I'd go down big stairs and stuff, yeah. slamming bad. I broke, I never broke my ankle skating, but I twisted it several times. Never broke a bone skating. Broke my collarbone the first day I snowboarded in '94. No kidding. Yeah, first time. First time because I was like, this is like skating. This is easy. Flying down and I caught an edge and just I... and sat up and clack, clack, my bone went back into place. That was interesting because. That was as a Christian scientist, raised Christian scientist, we were taught to heal ourselves with, through prayer and not going to the hospital. So I remember sitting for three days, no medicine, no just just oh. praying and concentrating on oh. my bone cannot be broken under God's law. It's impossible. This is an illusion. I'm only seeing what this mortal coil would suggest is the truth, and it's not the truth. So you go through the logic, the fa- the the syllogisms and the chain reasoning and all that that you're taught in uh, class, and after three days I remember sitting up and just going about my business and forgot that I had broken my collarbone and my parents noticed and I'm like holy cow holy cow and I ended up going to the hospital anyway to be like There's, that might not even been broken maybe I was imagining it you know and my dad took me to the hospital and the doctor x-rayed it and he said yeah there's it was broken at some point but it wasn't it's been a while I said no that was last week and he's like eh, and he kind of <laughs> sidestepped the, the comment and, wow dude yeah so that, was, that was probably one of the better healings that I had wow they, they showed that you can do what you can do you can be powerful if you if you use your whether you believe it's God whether you believe it's you training yourself hypnosis style whether you believe it's just you are, you are powerful as a a being on this planet in the universe all the logic works if you go there if you if you bother to use it yeah I've I've read a decent amount of that stuff. I was raised Baptist, right? And um, 
knowing what we know about things today, and I look around at other religions and the difference. Like I've read the the uh, the power of attraction, um, a number of these sort of things. I, you know, I'm dumb enough to say with honesty that I don't know what it is, mm-hmm. but it's something. Here's yeah. another here's another example. Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Do you remember that one? I haven't read it. I've heard of it. So his premise is affirmations. Every day you speak your reality into existence. You don't ever think, man, I'm poor. Man, I'm broke. He's like, that is keeping you... Your your brain's like a computer. If, you're, if you tell your computer to say, I am broke, mm-hmm. guess your experience is broke. So he said, even if, you're, even if you are broke, you, every day you say, you speak it into existence. So uh, New Year's Eve 2000... Three, my appendix burst. And as a Christian science scientist, you pretty much go, oh shit, here's the tipping point. Do I pray this one away? Can I do this? Or do I risk death now because appendicitis usually leads to death? Yeah. 100% of the time if you don't do something <laughs> about it. So I was kind of in a weird place. I mean, I did smoke a lot of weed, so that was kind of always like the anti Christian science thing. Yeah. So I was always kind of at odds of, am I really a Christian scientist still if I can smoke weed? So my mom came by and she looked at me and she's like, we really we need to handle this. We're going to pray or we're going to go to the hospital. And I got kind of scared. And that the, the problem with Christian science and, the, and a religion where you heal, you can't have doubt. You have to know you're going to do this. So so <laughs> if you have any doubt, you better go to the hospital. It's a lot you, of commitment. Yeah, you, you, have to, you have to commit or it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. So I went to the hospital really pretty simple woke up the next morning feeling fine and until I got my bill it was 19 grand oh, and because I didn't have insurance because you don't have insurance if you're a Christian scientist you don't need right. it <laughs> yeah. right so I, a buddy of mine right away said hey I've been reading that Napoleon Hill book you should check it out it's good for your situation so I read it and I'm reading this and, and he just says money is energy it's nothing but you if you can devote your energy to money you're going to get money that's how mm-hmm. it goes so I for a month I combined kind of Christian science with Napoleon Hill as an experiment and I, all day, every day, I, I, my mind, anytime I was constantly thinking, I would think, I'm paying this hospital bill off by the end of this month. So all morning I'd wake up thinking this, all day I'd be thinking this, all afternoon I'd be thinking this, my bill will be paid by the end of January 2004. So I go to the hospital, ask for some possibilities, what I can do for payments. They say, well, you can try insurance. You know, if you're, if you're low enough on the insurance brackets, you can get some written off. So I did that, I'm bothered to go through the, the hoops and, uh, kept praying did my jobby job did some roofing did some skating just kept 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 thinking about it kept praying kept affirming so we're drawn july january 28th i called the hospital i said oh yeah we finally got your case back uh good news catholic charities will take off your hospital stay part of the debt i said great what's that and they said 15 grand i said what he said, yeah, Catholic Charities is writing it off because your tax records were s- sufficient and they consider your case acceptable. It's like, holy cow, well, what's, what else do I owe? And they said, the doctor bill is 32. Uh, then you got anesthesia, radiology, cardiology. So I went to the doctor next and I said, uh, hey. Then he said, oh, I remember you. You're feeling better and blah, blah, blah. Well, what's the bill? Oh, he's 32. Hey, man, I just let you know I don't have insurance. And he looked at me. He's like, oh, okay, well, then shoot, I'll just cut it in half. You can pay 16. Wow. Damn, this is crazy. So I said, well, you know, the hospital actually wrote off the entire bill. And he's like, really? I said, yeah. All right, I'll I'll write it off too. So he wrote off the other 1,600 right in front of me, like in five seconds. 
So now I'm running into radiology and cardiology. Bing, bang, boom. Same deal. Dominoes. Everyone decided to write it off. Didn't pay a dime. So, Whoa. So did I make the money? Not technically, but I affirmed this bill will be paid off by the end of January, and I'll be damned if it wasn't. So I felt pretty powerful after that. Wow. <laughs> so that's basically, you know, the cooler so now, started as an idea. Yes, this is my my tangent mind. So, but yeah, so now okay. to the cooler, this was an idea I thought of in Spain in 2000 while I was driving, while I was walking around the El Camino, the, uh, the Camino de Santiago. I walked with a friend from Pamplona, far eastern Spain, all the way across 500 miles to Santiago. It took us three weeks to walk 500 miles. And in, in after we finished, we took a train down to Sevilla, and her sister was working, was dating a flamenco player. So we walk in this little tiny door in the middle of this big wall, st- wall street, street of like buildings. Little tiny door. Walk in. It's a little Shakespearean like poet cafe that leads into like a big bar along the wall with a complete dance club and then outside bar with another outside dance club and upstairs i said how many floors they said five i said what's up there oh artist quarters artist quarters that live above a bar restaurant cafeteria dance discotheque what the heck is this yeah so i sat there for like a couple days just walking around checking out like meeting all these poor artists that were just you know struggling they're trying to help out the club and they give them a room and they practice their craft and practice their flamenco and I was like, I got to do this in America. This is crazy. So the original deal was cooler. It was going to be skate park recording studio with artists quarters upstairs. And I originally want to do like a, th- like a loft, maybe something downtown I was thinking. And then all of a sudden this landed in my lap through a friend. Yeah. When I got in trouble, um, I had to go to drug court for a bunch of weed um, felonies. I opened up a dispensary. Weed and, felonies. Yeah, I opened up a dispensary. Doesn't that sound ridiculous? I opened up a dispensary early. <laughs> thinking oh they're not gonna care it's maplewood wrong answer yeah. they they cared. They, care. <laughs> they cared so after getting out of drug court this landed in my lap through a friend who said hey i got this property and it's right off the railroad track and and i thought oh my gosh i could actually do this here so now i have the cooler skate park surrounding this recording studio and um one-stop shop b&b yeah. So did my dream come came true twenty years later, about fifteen, not twenty, I'll call it twenty. That's, that's a fucking brilliant space, dude. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> now, and of course, all my guys that built are like, why don't you just do this all over the country? Go find some properties in every city that needs a B and B with a skate park attached and? to it. So me and my girl are kind of looking at that now. Like, why, why not just make this a blueprint? We just go because millions of properties you can just find that are need work, little work, and pay for nothing. And then as long as I know these guys, they're like, you can just ship us off to every town. We'll just camp. So they want to just go to each B&B, camp out, live there while they make the place for us. So that's the next level I think we're going to wow, try in a little bit. We'll see. I don't really see what's stopping you. Well, I, I get addicted <laughs> to this place. Like, I want to buy the lot next door here. I want, I want to make this like my headquarters now because I like, I like how, how I go into details, but I'd rather not put it on the air. Anyway, I like I like I get used to what I like, so we'll see if I can branch out again. I'll branch out into different cities and yeah, see what happens. But yeah, so it's, I was learned by my dad to show your work. Part of why they say that in school: show your work. Mm-hmm. How did you get here? I drew some shit. Drew it. I drew some shit. Yeah, I drew some shit, and you think here's the perfect way to describe it: you, you put your thinking into reality, and they, 
anytime you tell a child or a young one like, oh, that's too, you can't do that really. The easiest way to describe it is what is a patent? A patent is you drew out an idea you had, mm-hmm. you file it, and next thing, money comes. Hmm. That's how it goes. So <laughs> apply that to every everything in your life. And along those lines too, it hit me really hard this year. I was watching money come during COVID, fast and furious. And I'm thinking, this is crazy how much money is coming in, you know, yeah. just because, I mean, this is COVID. What's the, what do I mean? Why was all, I thought there was going to be no money and there's lots of money we had. So what I noticed is if you are money, if you're made of energy and money is just energy, then you, instead of ever fretting or feeling stressed about money, you just got to be like, you're always going to have money. Stop, stop wasting energy. Stop mm-hmm. wasting your energy worrying about having it. You're always going to have it. When's the last time you didn't eat? Right. It's been a while, right? You did pretty good for 20, 30, 40, yeah. 50 years. There's quite now. a lot of evidence that this is going to go a certain You're way. You're probably going to eat every day <laughs> for the rest of your life. Right. So now that you know that, let that go. Mm-hmm. Let that worry, that fear, insecurity. And all of a sudden, money just, it's just like you open the spigot. It just starts coming in. I've been in business for myself for quite a few years. And I used to worry about it. Like, yeah. I would have ebbs and flows. I'd have times when I would go quite a while without any new business and I'd just be doing service calls, that sort of thing. But then at some point, you know, you just, you weather the storm so many times that you just get used to the rain. Yeah. <laughs> and and I just I just stopped worrying about it. And, I, and even now, like, I've got more financial obligation right now than I ever have in my entire life. And I'm, I'm far less worried about it than I, yeah. than I was... 15 years ago when I had almost no financial obligation. 2008, 2009 was rough. When Obama got in and they yanked the rug out from the market mm-hmm. and all of a sudden nobody had money. It was like, there was, I was I did roofing. I was really doing roofing hard at that point to try to afford the living we were living. Mm-hmm. And I was do, not doing very well. Uh, my girl was shouldering a lot of the burden and that was definitely not easy on our relationship. And those two years, eight, 2008 and nine, man, it was just no money. We went behind on house payments like six months it was crazy how far back and then we came in like a wrecking ball finally came back and now man after the ebbs and flows of a lot of roller coaster early roller coaster ride it's so much more easy now mm-hmm. part of it is getting to know yourself mm-hmm. before you know yourself and to even qualify it better what is your purpose okay until you know what your purpose is you're gonna feel insecure you're gonna feel off kilter. You're not gonna know what you're here for. And I don't mean religious-like or dogmatic. I mean, what do you wanna do? Well, you're here, you're, you have a limited amount of time on this planet. What do you wanna accomplish? Yeah. And people twist it, oh, I don't have to accomplish anything. You don't have to accomplish anything, you're right. Is that what you're here for? To not accomplish anything? <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. But to me, if, if there is a God, I really love to look at the idea of God as choice. This is whatever you want to do, bro. Yeah, here it is. You want to be Hitler? You can be Hitler. Guess what? God didn't stop him. No, <laughs> if you want not. to be Hitler, if you want to be uh, uh, a Mao Zedong, be a Mao Zedong. But if you want to be a Frank Lloyd Wright, be a Frank Lloyd Wright. If you want to be a, for me, it'd be an MF Doom. Mm. I'd rather be an MF Doom, but do it my way. Yeah. And or like an LP from you know Company Flow or or uh, Run the Jewels or Mad Lib, you know those are my idols. When I grew up listening to the way they do music, I just kept thinking, God, I wish I would have done that first. God, I wish I would have figured that out. And now that I'm doing it my way, 
I get to be Jay Toth from Hoth or Jonathan Getchman or Dad mm-hmm. and do it my way. And now that I feel more secure about it, my purpose is to make this place pop, make all the music I can make till I die, be a good father, a good lover, a good family person, and spread love and empathy to everyone around me. So if, 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 if I ask you what your purpose is and you can't answer something close to like, bang, bang, boom, this is it. Yeah. Like when I tell my kids that or other children, like, ah, purpose, you know, it's a lot of hemming and hawing. Or like, I don't know yet, you know, and all right, just, just saying, look inward. Don't look to everyone else being your problem. Don't look into the pronouns. The pronouns aren't the problem. Mm. And I mean, I, I don't like racism either. But in many ways, it's not racism in the problem either. I don't like sexism either. But in many ways, it's not sexism either. I don't like classism. But in many ways, it's not. Well, it's all classism. But <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> there's a lot of arrows pointing that way. Yeah. If we if we ever choose to go there, I'll 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 talk hours about conspiracy theory. But <laughs> you know, just be, just warning you. What 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 I'm really interested in knowing. I listened to a podcast the other day on um, a couple of gentlemen who just made a documentary called The Phenomenon. Do you dig into UFO at all? Yes. The most accurate documentary to break was in 2018, November, called Above Majestic. Okay. Have you seen that yet? I haven't. It's it's <sighs> going to be very high on my list. All the guys from Alien History, David Wilcock, uh, Tolufanakis, or whatever that crazy Greek guy with the big hair that's like, aliens, you know, yeah. The, the meme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all the other whistleblowers they've been hiding. It came out huge, man. There, so the government since the '40s has said we can neither confirm nor deny. Right. Well, all these whistleblowers who are military men that have come out blowing the whistle, mm-hmm. abductees that are now saying, "I'm not crazy. I can tell you. I can give you serial numbers. I can give you tattoos from people. You know, and they've all been hidden now by this. That's called the. Um, it's Project Veritas has some in, input in this, but A-tip. it's. No, full disclosure. Okay. Full disclosure is the group that is basically hiding all these whistleblowers. And in this movie, you learn that not only have we been dealing with aliens since the 40s, but Hitler was the reason that, that, that several species were attracted to Earth in the first place because the Dracos, otherwise known as reptilians, saw what Hitler was doing. He's like, you're one of us. <laughs> you're clearly <laughs> they felt a kinship in our club. Yeah, they got a hold of him. No joke. And uh, these whistleblowers will tell you, since 36 or so, the Nazis were getting alien technology. Our spies started reporting on it, going, what the fuck are these planes? What are these kind of ships they got here? They had started getting blueprints to our people, saying these are blueprints from aliens. Some of them were in languages they'd never seen before. And then when you realize Operation Paperclip wasn't just to bring over a few Nazi scientists who had some good ideas. Right. It was alien knowledge, alien spacecraft they were getting in this deal. Area 51 happened after all this went down, and that was another alien species that crash-landed in Roswell. That actually happened. They wouldn't even let the president come and check it out because they're like, no, they, they, they wanted him to come personally. They didn't want him, they want to send pictures or anything, telecommunique. Mm-hmm. Ike freaked out and tried to send the army after him and, and basically had to learn that it's aliens. You, we can't tell anybody about it. We don't want the Russians to know. We don't want anybody else. So the president was out of loop from that moment on. What do you think made the government sort of um, declassify some of this stuff? Because, uh, like, the the Tic Tac video is very prominent right now in the yeah. news. Yeah. Um, Dr. or uh, Colonel Favor, you know, his interviews, like Air Force pilots, people who are not considered um, fringe. Yeah. 
are now saying this and then the government comes out and says um yeah we've had you know off-world um off-world craft yeah for some time like they've admitted it and because covid is going on like no uh, yeah they missed it's it's unbelievable that cia also released a memo that mind control and powers we have more power than we can possibly imagine and they've released that memo that's been classified since since the 80s so what I would say is it's it's a trickle still. That's nothing compared to what they're holding. And above Majestic, the, the documentary shows you they do they do treaties with alien organizations. This is not just they saw I shit. I can't I can't wait to watch this documentary. Abductees will tell you I was transported around the galaxy in speed speed of light ships, which they have. Our government has access to speed of light ships. No joke. And these people all will tell you this, and there's like it's common knowledge. And what has kept us the lid on it is all these people swear an oath to the Constitution to secrecy. Yeah. Right? It's like an NDA, like a supreme NDA. Mm-hmm. But during Trump's administration, and I'm going to qualify this by saying I'm not a Trump guy, I would only say that the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And Trump has done more than any president I've seen to mm-hmm. take down, to, to let FOIA requests out, Freedom of Information Act. Mm-hmm. There have been more FOIA requests released under his term than anyone else. He's also, all these military guys are coming out of the woodwork. And I was explained by one military friend, they now classify the, the oath of allegiance to the Constitution as not binding if you're under duress if you were basically forced into it or or under um oh, really? punishment under under a threat you do not owe allegiance to that commanding or that commander whoever told you that or whoever you're allowed to, to to speak freely on what was what you felt was wrong now the military still doesn't like this shit but you they get a lot they're lots according to this person i talked to they're now allowed to blow the whistle on stuff because they're basically suggesting that this is crazy. You can't have us hiding this shit from the public after we've been threatened with death. Some of these people die because they say something, mm-hmm. and they've seen it. A lot of these people have seen people killed for trying to share this information. So now they're coming out of the woodwork saying, no more. We're not. We're not. The dam is breaking. You don't get to hide all the shit. I mean, if you want to go further, there's a whistleblower that David Icke made famous that said, Queen of England, she's the one that said Queen of England is actually a reptile. She's, <laughs> she's been in the room when she changes. And there's a clan of people that are running the world, the most famous clan, reptilians called the Dracos. Queen of England is one, a lot of the royalty are ones. Um, apparently George Bush was, or, or um, even Hillary Clinton, she says, is one of them too. Is this is this what, um, is the, oh, the, I'm, I'm thinking the, the, the meeting spot in the Northeast with the, um, the owl yep. god. The you in the you talking about in uh, America or, or uh, in America? There the owl god, yes. Well, there's the there's ba- Baal and there's Moloch. Moloch and they're they they will in some of these ceremonies. Well, Bilderberg's made it famous because they got caught on camera actually doing these ceremonies. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, Skull and Bones got caught. Alex, Alex Jones got yeah. Caught. Skull and Bones got <laughs> caught. Uh, they they got videotaped some of their ceremonies, their sacrifices and stuff. So what it is is a group of it, it's basically like. To run any kind of government, you have to have the, the face and then the people that have no face, the people that tell all the people with the face what to do, how to vote, who to who to work with, who not to work with. So there's always going to be a, what do you call it, a deep state or a cabal. It is what it is. It's been going on for millions of years. It's how power works. If you're an ant in an ant farm, mm-hmm. do you know you're an ant in an ant farm? Probably not. So as a human... Do you know you're in an, in a simulation, or do you know you're being farmed? 
Probably oh, not. Probably not. Right. No. Yes. And if so, we're in three D. <laughs> reptilians are in four D. Four dimensions mean basically you can just see through all of the dimension of the three D. Three D is is uh you know tangible. Tangible. Four yeah. D is everything is now you're visible through the tangible. So if you're an alien in four D, you can be hiding next to us and we'd never know until you choose to reveal yourself. And reptilians are known to be able to hold a human form and roam amongst us and control things. And they live off, um, if you want to go deeper than that, the only reason they're here, <laughs> um, Aryans, turns out, are not just some white power race that Hitler thought up. Aryans are an alien breed that came here hundreds of thousands of years ago escaping the reptilians because reptilians eat Aryans and they also breed with them and have uh, incest. So it's very peculiar alien forms that came here. Aryans just happen to be light-skinned, blue-eyed, humanoid-looking things that bred with Africans hundreds of thousands of years ago. Uh, the mother of the earth considered black woman and the original sin being white Aryan male mating with black woman to create the current form of humans that we know. Mm-hmm. And once the reptilians found out that the Aryans are here, they came here and started, they convinced Hitler, hey, get all the Aryans together because they eat Aryans. <laughs> so they basically convinced Hitler, who isn't even Aryan, he's, he's Jewish. He's a, he's a bastard exactly. child of an Austrian Rothschild and, a, and his mom was a hotel uh, made uh, so which is beyond bizarre so I'm just saying like this is not me I didn't I, I'm just telling you what is now coming out of the woodwork and what, is the, what the, the, the the dam is bursting well that's that's the thing with uh, they call it conspiracy theory but the government's affirmed that all this conspiracy theory that people have been talking about for years and people have been marginalized for years the government's saying oh well they're actually right and and I've always subscribed to the idea that where there's a where there's smoke, there's a fire. You well, just don't always especially with the government. Come yeah, on. you don't always know how big the fire. Sometimes it takes a while to find that out. And you know, I find it very curious. One of the guys I got to write, who's big in conspiracy, is James Files, the guy that took the shot from the grassy knoll. Mm-hmm. He's still alive. He just got out of prison two years ago. He'd been in for twenty five years for attempted murder of a cop, which was complete crap. I wrote him in jail for, for two years we corresponded. And he his favorite quote is, once the government lies, it has to lie to cover up that lie forever. Mm-hmm. Unless you have an overthrow, unless you have a revolution, the government has to lie to protect itself. So when Kennedy was killed by CIA people, mafia people, FBI cover-ups, Lyndon Johnson cover-up, that was basically devils. You're, you're letting humans be devils to kill another human to take his power. Sure. And if you go back there to the devils who were doing it, Alan Dulles, the ex-head of the CIA that Kennedy fired, J.E. Hoover, head of the CIA, head of the FBI that Kennedy was about to fire, mm-hmm. and all these anti-Castro Cubans that hated Kennedy because he pulled out the plug. He pulled plugs from um, the Bay of Pigs and let them all die. The perfect storm of all these devils, all these war people that love war and get all the contracts and all the money, make all the money off this. When their can, their, when their president said, "Nah, fuck you guys, I don't like you anymore. We want peace. Government doesn't want to do war anymore." They basically bonded together and said, "Yeah, sorry, we've been here long before you were, and you got to get out of here, young blood." So James Files, when he took the shot as a backup shooter on the knoll, his job was just in case they they didn't get a headshot. He's like, "I got it until I see a headshot." Headshot. I'm, I, I'm waiting to get it. If they don't get it, I got to do it. So that's why he took the shot in the end because everybody was missing. Wow. He's very interesting to talk to because he, if you go further, he just put out a book called Primary Target, how the CIA 
made the mafia kill JFK. And in the book, he actually talks about he was born in a test tube. He was born in a Bethesda Hospital, I believe, Naval Hospital, which is the, the ONIS hospital. He was born in a lab with 50 other super soldiers. They basically took genes. They took whatever they could as an experiment to see if they could make, like, basically the Jason Bourne story. Yeah. This is his story. And when he wrote it, he never told any of us about this when we wrote him, like, letters. But in the book, it comes out. I'm like, oh, my God, this dude's a real fucking Jason Bourne. So that's pretty insane. And now when you hear all of the, the big movies that have ever been made, and it turns out someone, some insider will be like, yeah, that actually happened. That happens a lot. E.T. Mm-hmm. by Steven Spielberg, that actually happened. That was an Area 51 alien that survived. They even named it E.T. Like, Steven Spielberg didn't even change the name. <laughs> that actually happened. <laughs> Somebody wrote the script for him, basically. Basically. Or he was an insider. Either someone, he knew someone, you know, that... Uh, Spielberg's interesting. It looks like he might be a time traveler. Because if you watch the way he did Back to the Future, and he has a lot of nods and winks in Back to the Future towards 9-11, towards... Um, you you have to go look at the YouTube videos. Damn, dude, I'm gonna have to go back and watch those movies. Uh, I? You, just just <laughs> at least watch the tutorial. It shows you how Steven Spielberg gave nods to 9/11 through the whole movie. He's saying it's gonna happen. 9/11 is gonna happen like this. Um, I can't I can't remember, but it's a really fun really fun video. On it. I'm, I see a YouTube rabbit hole coming. And the reason for all this is even like Trump's people saying uh, the reason we have citizen journalists is because the media is lying so bad now. Mm-hmm. You have to have regular people go and look for truth. Because the media, you're not going to find it on TV. They're not going to tell you shit. Mm-hmm. They're going to tell you this much of what's really going on. So since I, when I started becoming a conspiracy theorist was when I was really after watch JFK, the movie, and then when 9-11 happened, I remember thinking, no, no, that is not, that's demolition, dude. I've seen enough buildings demolished know that a plane can't do that, let alone two planes, let alone take down another building, building number seven, which didn't even hit by anything except some debris. Yeah, fucking number seven's so And fishy. when you see it, just fall perfectly. <laughs> so that's when I really was like, nah, they're lying, and I can't believe they have the balls to do this shit. So ever since then, it's just been more to the pile, more to the pile, more to the pile, more to the pile, and they don't stop. I mean, Hillary, the whole everyone, Hillary Clinton's a bad person. That's very true. That is, there's no debating that. I don't care if you really look into her background. Her and Bill, man, they, they were doing insurance fraud for decades. Then, they, then when they, then when they got employed by the CIA, then it was a lot of murder in their name. But media doesn't let you in on that. All the people that have researched it have proven a lot of stuff of that. But the media doesn't ever go in there. Well, I heard Bush Senior was the worst. Brutal. He James Files, the guy I wrote, said he was his boss back in the '60s. He was a, he was in charge of Group Forty, famous murder assassination squad. George Senior was yeah. the head of an assassination squad. They don't tell you that. Mm-mm. You got to find out from people who were there, witnesses, evidence, and it's. Here's another thing that really bothers me about people online. With you have to have a source. Yeah, if it's if this is regular media, yeah, you need three sources. Really, mm-hmm. three sources is the best, right? I, I took historiography. I remember all that shit. Conspiracy theory is only theory because when you have a witness that said, I saw that man shoot that other man, and then another man shoots the witness, you know how that happened. You know that the guy that is responsible for that murder had to kill this guy now because mm-hmm. he saw it. But in in truth, oh, well, we don't have that test anymore, so I guess it didn't happen. I guess, I guess it isn't what the guy said. What do you think caused the marginalization of, marginalization of conspiracy theorists? The marginalization is always the government. They, once you get close to catching them, 
they push the narrative. Oh, they're they're full of. They don't know what they're talking about. They, and that's that's a key. That's a get. That's a tell, right? In poker, the tell is when they freak out and start really pushing the conspiracy theory thing. Yeah, that means we're onto something. Something's real close, and they're getting real nervous. And during Trump's presidency, all the pedophilia, the upper upper elite pedophile stuff, that's been known about for decades. That's not new, but for some reason, Trump's people really laid into it like raw look at all this stuff going on and i was kind of impressed like wow that's not new but good that you guys are actually bothering to out it and then the media immediately washed it over ah oh, that doesn't happen yeah, that's, that's not that that's the story of the that's the story of the decade for sure for sure and that's really what made me kind of like trump i was like I was dude like, uh, i don't like you but thank you thank you for <laughs> getting this shit moving and then uh, i remember listening to alex jones several you know several years back and and Everybody talks about him being just such a nut job, and he's he's laying out all these conspiracy theories, and it sounds wild. It sounds absolutely wild to the to the average ear. But then he's right about Fuck Island. He's right about um, uh, Molech, uh, the politicians. The wor- people actually worship this worshiping are like majorly Im- powerful people. Yeah, are worshiping an all god, and. And conspiracy theorists are marginalized? It seems really bizarre. So one of those people, one of these um, QAnon people, I'd like to qualify that too. Q is just basically an algorithm. Q is like AI. And they ask this AI, who's running the world? Can you imagine how easy that'd be for AI to figure out who, just follow the money? You'd find out, in like five minutes, you'd find out who's running the world. Yeah. Well, that, in my opinion, what is what Q really is. Q is just an algorithm that's showing people connecting all the dots. It shows exactly where all the dots are. But you can't use that, right? Because then you're in real trouble if you know who's doing what. Because then you're the you're going to be the bad guy. You're going to be the target if you yeah, actually you put a spotlight on it. That's not good. So Q has been the dissemination of all this real info, and most of it I've seen is very real, and it, and it usually comes true, which is also freaky, like Alex Jones. But QAnon are these like Trump tards that just, it's all Trump is the second coming of Christ and he's just God's chosen one. Uh, okay. Trump tards. I'm going to start using that word. That's a good one. And like I'm saying, I'm not a fan of his and I don't hate him. I just think he's kind of a douche. But but if he's, there's some shit happening that never would have happened under the other president. And one of them is Q. Suddenly mm-hmm. we're hearing all this stuff. The, the, the pedophile elite thing is very true. That's I've known about that since Ted Gutterson, famous FBI agent, quit the FBI over it because he found all those cases and the FBI just shelved them. Never never let anybody find out who was doing what, including George Bush Sr. when he was pumping in um, orphans from Omaha, Nebraska to the White House to have sex parties. That was called the Franklin, Ro- Franklin cover-up. And that happened when I was a little kid in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, so that's real. But when the Q people pre- presented it to p- mainstream media... Mm-hmm. The mainstream media immediately was like, oh my God, can you believe these? They're suggesting that, 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 that the, the, the elite government of pedophiles. And, yes, that's exactly yes. what's happening, yes. bro. And you're ignoring it. You're just exactly like it's not happening. That's I, it makes me feel like they're complicit, either directly or indirectly. They're still complicit. And here's the last straw. When Trump election, they called the election for Biden, 11 a.m. on Saturday, every media did it at once. Oh, is that right? 11 a.m. the Saturday after the election. Remember, it took about four or five days, and they finally called it. Go back. Look at all the posts. 11 a.m. across the board. Fox, too. That means all the media were told, you will call the election for Biden. Yeah, I don't do any mainstream media. Mm-hmm. So, like, that goes that went over my head that that even occurred that way, but... 
you know what they're also doing? They're not letting Trump speak on press conferences on the mainstream media anymore. I've heard that. What president have you ever heard that they were like, nope, not covering you anymore? When did that ever happen before? This, that's what I mean by this is getting strange, guys. This is, this is not normal. Well, the thing that really made me uncomfortable um, in the lead up to the election, and, and again, I second your opinion on Trump's a douche. Yeah. The colossal douche. Yeah, um, colossal douche. But when the the White House press secretary gets banned from Twitter, I Trump gets banned from Twitter every once in a while. They take his post down. They, yeah, they, I mean, the mainstream media is being replaced as we speak every day more and more by social media. Yeah, as the as the way of disin, uh, disseminating information mm-hmm. and sharing. And, and now there's a concerted effort from the top down to block yeah. a certain voice. Yeah. No, you may not. When Twitter, then, when Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube took down hundreds, thousands of these Q accounts, alternative mm-hmm. information accounts, and these aren't Chinese, these aren't Russians, these are Americans, like they've been doing this for years. Yeah. And then Facebook took down all these accounts, and then Twitter took down, I'm like, you call Trump fascist. The whole time they're like, he's a fascist. He didn't take these down. You did. You guys, right. that's book burning, right? Modern day book burning. Yeah. It's information. Oh, it's, it's wrong. So, why do you get to determine that we can't read it now? Because, well, that's when I go, they got to be right. They have to be right. There's no way they would take this down that's, if they were. That, and I have a hard time not landing on that same opinion. Like, why why, why do you have a vested interest in, in, in stopping anybody from saying anything in America of all places? Hmm. I and mean, now this is supposed to be the land of free speech. Yeah. So I think it, it from what I hear is panic. I hear in the upper echelon, the Satanists and all those guys, they're looking at Trump like, make it stop. Get this guy out of here before he does any more fucking damage. Because if he gets four more years, oh, it's gonna be it's gonna be big. And it's, just keep in mind the election's not over yet. Nobody yeah. called it. The media called it. The media the, doesn't get to call it. The media called it, yeah. He hasn't conceded. Talk about a veil over the masses. Like the media just yeah. Trump lost. <laughs> Put a blanket over one. Yeah, he lost. Go back to business. Go back to your regular COVID scheduling. Mm-hmm. And that's not the case. And guess what? Who called Bush v. Gore? The Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. And who owns the Supreme Court right now? Trump by a landslide. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, this is not over. And also, last tidbit of this, just to move on. Stephen Hawking predicted December 21st, 2020 is going to be a cataclysmic world-shaking event. He died last year. Yeah, just just short of getting to see his uh, his. Uh, so December twenty first is called a conjunction. Conjunctions happen every about twenty years or so when Saturn and Jupiter, the two biggest planets in the solar system, swing at the same time at, around each other mm-hmm. um, and the sun, and it causes weird shit, weird energy, energetic reactions, um, emotional responses. Last time it happened in two thousand when. Um, but my point is, just cut to the chase. Every twenty years, about every twenty years, a conjunction happens, and a president either dies or is attempted to be assassinated. For the last two hundred years, this happens. <laughs> no shit. So 20, 2020, December twenty first is the next conjunction. Just so be be forewarned, something's going to happen. Now the question is: Is Biden going to die? Is Trump going to die? Because if Biden dies, then you have Kamala Harris, who's a who's a Hillary bot, as president all of a sudden. Mm. If Trump dies, you're gonna have some serious revolution <laughs> from the from the right wing and the and the Trump tards. Yeah. So it's not gonna be pretty. Who knows? Just, just be aware. A lot of tote gun 
a lot of gun-toting folks in that camp. And it could just be when 20, 21st comes out, they could just know that since it's a conjunction, they're going to try something. And that could be just knowing that that's a day where everybody's going to be looking for something, they might try something else or try some other subterfuge or some faint, you know. I would I would love to have this conversation and just think that you're completely ridiculous with all these ideas. <laughs> I would love to, but I can't anymore. I can't. Calc2 said, he's like, you're my favorite person to talk about, about conspiracy theory because you don't own it. You're just like, hey, here's what's coming out. Here's what's coming out. You, yeah. you, you take it or leave it. I'm not attached to it. It's just what's coming out. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> <sighs> uh, well, I think I'm going to have to, to to watch some soccer and uh, take care of some business. Right on, man. Um, so um, one of the ways I always wrap up a podcast is just giving my guest um, an opportunity to just put something out into the ether that, that he or she wants put out there. So, Sure. What do you want to tell the world? I would love to tell the world to each and every one of you beings of living light. You are going to feel insecure. You're going to feel fearful. You're going to feel lost until you find your purpose. And once again, doesn't have to be dogmatic. Doesn't have to be secular. It's what do you want to do with your life? What are you here for? And when you find that, it's like flipping everything from black and white TV to color 4K. Everything looks fun. Everything looks possible. But you have to flip it. You can't. You got to go from poor me I can fucking do anything and I'll be damned that's how anybody who ever does anything does it I've heard this yeah, well thank you so much for having me on that's a great message man and I really appreciate the hospitality and, and sitting down and having this uh, chit chat it's been great yeah I appreciate you too man this is Jonathan Toth from Hoth signing off from 2.3 million feet thank you Bob thank you sir later oh, peace <laughs>